0: if you're one of these, can you do two things? Ladies, you're fine. Gents, work with me. So take your phone in your hand. You can unlock it. You can go to whichever your preferred messaging. <laughs> messaging, Wiz. Not comments, messaging. <laughs> yeah. And then have a look around. I was raised, I think I've told you the story before, but uh, I was raised in a church My granddad was a preacher, and so my mother was a preacher's daughter, and uh, we went to church all the time. But I was raised that you could never turn around in church. It was rude to look behind you for some reason. I still to this day think it might be because if you turn around, you'd catch someone napping. Here at Grace Cove, we love you to look around. One of the privileges of standing in front up here is that you get to see the faces of people. And I love to share that opportunity. So have a look around and see if anyone catches your eye. If, uh, just look around and say, oh, I'm so glad to see that person, and uh, then think through if you see someone whose contact you have. Have a look around, have a look around, if you're in in a life group, you at least should have the life group people in a group somewhere, and you can find them, but keep, keep looking around, you have anyone's, yeah, I love that, you wave and a wink is cool, but uh, why don't you right now, just go to the contact of someone in this room, or if you've run out of this room, you're welcome to have a look outside. Think of someone who's not here this morning. Uh, if you're really struggling with contacts of these of this group or Grace Cove group, maybe even a family member or a friend or someone that's far from you. During the, the worship time, I have a, a, a bunch of mates uh, that I pray for as often as I can. And uh, during this meeting, my one friend uh, is in America, and uh, I know that he's not yet waking up. And I know that he's going to be preaching this morning. So I was busy texting him uh, during the worship time. So you're there. You've got, who's got, have you got someone? Is your message open? Everyone's like, yes, Craig, we agree. But you're, you're not doing it. You're disagreeing. So you're ready? Start. You're going to message that person. You're going to tell them something encouraging. If you have a scripture come to mind while you look at them, I think we should do this all the time, especially when we come to church but we should do this all the time where we're looking at people's faces around us, not just walking through the crowd. You're looking at people's faces and you're saying, Jesus, is there something you want to say to someone here this morning or this afternoon or in this board meeting or in the Uber or wherever you might find yourself? Yeah? You with, okay, I can see some of you, but like I need some like positive reinforcement, not cause, cause I'm, I'm feeling insecure. I'm just wanting to know that you guys are out there. Yeah? You're working on it? I can see some of you guys. Right? Hope you're not sitting here thinking, I don't have any friends. Well, then you can just, I'll be your friend. If you send me a message, I promise I'll send you something encouraging back. Yeah? Sundays aren't just for listening, right? This isn't just a status. We talk about a service, but the idea is that you can get engaged in service, not like when you have a car, you send it for service. And I think sometimes the church has this mindset is that I'm coming or I'm going to a church service like my car goes in for a service. And what happens? It gets taken off the ground and a whole bunch of people come and do stuff to it and then it goes home. That's not the kind of service we believe in at Grace Cuff. At Grace Cove, we believe that every one of us who's born again is called to serve Jesus. If you're not born again this morning, we'd love to help you meet Jesus. And that you can have a purpose and a way to serve him. From day one, you're born again, we get a purpose, right? And so when we of gather together on a Sunday, I love the worship, by the way. Sarah and your guys. We got to think of a name for that band, right? Hey, Fani and say Orkes. Um, uh, Sarah and. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all guys, eh? Yeah. What was um, I'm trying to think of those old bands, they're always like and the Arquettes or you know, someone anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, where's where's Jamie the um, Hey? <laughs> the Backstreet Boys. We'll think of a name. But here's the points. Worship was great. Speak about the faithfulness of God, right? But it's all very well to have a little moment and go, oh, that was nice. Thank you, Jesus, and carry on other lives. I think we have these moments so that we have something to say to others. And that's when it gets even better. It's great for the Lord to touch you and speak to you. But can can I tell you it's even better when you have this weird sense that God is touching you while you are Helping him touch someone else is actually better. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you've ever given anything away, trust me, think this through. Christmas is coming, hopefully, when you get a gift versus when you give a gift and you look at the, in the eyes of the person that's receiving. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be meaningful. You tell me which one is better. I love the Lord touching me, don't you? I love it when I know his presence is with me. But man, there's something extra special when I feel him on me while I'm doing something to minister for him. It's even better. All right, I can see uh, Martin looks like he's either taking notes already or else he's writing a sermon. I love it. I love it. Or maybe he's got a list of friends. Even better. Yeah, you know you can do this any time of the week. Do you know that? All right, we do this thing together. right. Not one against you. There we were, you know. No, no, no. We come together to minister to each other, encourage each other in the Lord that we can take over the world. If you have my contact, do yourself a favor and go have a look at my... um, uh, I'm not on social, but you're welcome to look at my profile on WhatsApp. What are we doing today, Pinky? Is this my question? Uh, I need to tell you a couple of things. I'm trying to remember a bunch. Uh, The elders are all on holiday. Tebbs is... uh, had a couple of, uh, couple of weekends. He said he's been on holiday for about uh, ten days, two weeks. But I keep seeing him working. So you have to give him a talking to. Tell him he needs to rest when he's on holiday. Um, and when Ghaedah away for the weekend, he's supposedly climbing the chain ladder. So uh, see when you see him next weekend. Uh, might be good to hear some stories, right? And um, then coletina. Head for Paris on Friday. We've been invited to go and ordain an elder at La Cité Church in Paris. So incredibly significant. They're an eldership team of three, going to at least four, and there's a couple of guys on the horizon. So that's real progress in the church. They moved into, we've told you the stories, they've moved into the new facility called Epicentre, uh, Epicentre in, uh, in English. The point is that from that point to the rest of Paris and beyond, those concentric circles, the ripples will flow, right? And uh, so they've been in there since the beginning of October, so just a number of weeks. We can't get there, can't wait to get there and um, I'm wondering how many tools I can pack in my suitcase so we can go help with some of the renovations they're doing. And uh, So please pray for us. We'll be there for two Sundays, and uh, we'll be doing some leadership training and some ministry, and we'll be just helping out wherever we can, trying to encourage them. It's so interesting. We're coming to the end of our year. They're effectively at the, coming towards the end of their first term. So they're in full flight. Um, we're sort of getting ready for holiday they're just building at the beginning of the year so please keep us in your press as we look at those things good i must remember to talk about jesus wall and your testimony straight after the meeting i'll remind you when we're done again Alright, so welcome to episode three, the last episode in our series. Don't talk about money, as you heard. It's the series where we talk about money. So over the last three weeks, we've all agreed that yes, we actually are feeling challenged with the economy, with the price of petrol. I can't wait till I get there. But do you know, the last time I did the sums I'm going to share with you later was in October 2022, and I've been lazy. I just haven't updated. Uh, when I did the sums, in October 2022, so that's thirteen months ago, prime lending rate was eight point two five. Do you remember those days? Oh, those were the days, my friend. Hey? Remember those days? Yeah. Hey? Check this morning, eleven point two five. That's two percent in thirteen months. Yes. If you if you <laughs> if you are paying a loan, you're crying. If you have investing, then you're not so sad. But uh, my point is that times change quicker than we think, and we're all feeling the pinch, the price of petrol, the price of groceries, the interest rate going up, The, the what we thought was stable is clearly not as stable as we thought it was. And so we've been talking about money. We be, we also said I started. Wes was far more um, polite uh, last week. I started uh, on the first week saying, "Don't be the Christmas turkey." And as uh, Andre has said, as we finish on the Sunday between Black Friday and Tech Monday, be wise. Be wise. Be wise. Right. Would you like to have peace with your money? Would you like to be able to put your head on the pillow at night and sleep soundly? Uh, Hot weather notwithstanding, it is possible. And that's the good news that I want to share with you this morning. So we began our series with Let Me Paint You a Picture. We spoke about... The Bible imagery of flourishing, of life, of being instant in season and having fruit, of being generous and being able to be a resource for others. We said in episode one, we said that normal sucks because normal people are broke, and if you you don't agree with me, or if you're offended at my language, because you're wondering if you're normal or not. At least 75. At least the average South African has committed 75% of the income to payments. That means normal is payments, right? We. Uh, I. I won't repreach that sermon. You're welcome to check it out on YouTube. And we said that when we follow the same plan that normal people follow. Then we when we see what it gets them, we wonder why it gets us the same thing. When you play by a set of rules, we wonder why we get the results of those rules. We think this year, man, 2024, I'm gonna do- I'm gonna do my budget even better, and we do the same thing we did in 23 and 22 and 21, and we wonder why we get the same results. Yes? Colette and I will be married for 28 years in two weeks time. For 24 years, notice how I just snuck that in there. Did you see that? For 24 years, for 24 years, we faithfully did a budget. For 24 years, we faithfully tried and tried to be as generous as we could. But we got to the end of every year, scratching our heads, saying, it shouldn't have worked out the way it did. We tried so hard, and we thought the outcome would be different. And then next year, we tried just harder. 24 years, the same thing. We've been doing this stuff for four years. Our lives have radically changed. You play different rules if you want a different result, right? (laughs) There we go. Come on, Alan. Episode two we said playing with snakes. Debt is dangerous. We said that debt can be a security blanket. Now, you might be sitting there going, Craig, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a pastor. You don't know about money like I know about money. Well, the one equalizer is we all deal with money every day. Most of us wish we had more money to deal with, but we all deal with money. Can I say the less money you have, the sharper your pencil has to be. You can't out-earn stupid. Can't. (laughs) Right? I'm not telling you what to do this morning. I'm asking you to think. And I'm providing an alternative way if you'd like to try. Otherwise, you're welcome to carry on with your way. I'm just asking, what's it getting you? If you're happy with the results, shop. If you'd like to think and maybe try something else, no problem. Debt is one way we live beyond our means. We live ahead of the promises of God. Who likes the fact that the Bible tells us over and over that God has promised us stuff? Isn't that cool? Promised us a future, a hope. Promised us heaven. Promised us eternal life that starts at salvation. All these cool things, right? Who likes that God's promises come slower sometimes than we think they should? (laughs) Not me. It's one of the things I wrestle with, with the Lord but I do know that his plans are perfect. And when I make another plan, it means I can get ahead of the purposes of God in my life if I make my own plans. And often it's around money. All righty. Will you imagine with me If we could find contentment with where we are. Imagine if we had money for all we need now, money to save for the future, and to be generous on every opportunity. Could you imagine with me if we felt confident instead of fearful with our money? You say, oh, Craig, you're talking crazy now. Imagine if we could make decisions based on our dreams and not just survival. Well, I'm telling you, we can. And so we come today to our final part of this series. Don't talk about money. We're going to be talking about living like no one else. Living like no one else. Financial Peace University says we live like no one else today so that later we can live and give like no one else. I've got so much to tell you, but the first thing I want to say is take courage. There's hope. This is a lot more doable than you think. It can be done. The average Financial Peace University member, now let me just quickly say, if I forget to say it, Wes did a great job last week, didn't he? Love the personal example of putting biblical stuff into place. First thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say is we'll be running Financial Peace University in April. But here's the deal. I'm not just trying to sell you a course. I'm hoping to stir us this morning as we conclude the series and get us to think differently. One of our values here at Grace Cover is that we live free. One of those ways is financially free. And that's what we're talking about this morning. The average Financial Peace University member, 10 million of those around the world. Who complete this course become debt free in eighteen to twenty four months? Can be done. Can I ask you? Forgive me, but just to think through: Do you have an idea if you have debt? Do you have an idea how much it is? Just think it through. That's why we're saying it. You know, they might Craig, I don't want to even look there." You know, because like, if I know, then it's real. It's not real if I don't know. That's not true. But that's the average person's uh, journey. The the, the, the stats, the data of over 10 million people within, you put these stuff, biblical practices into place, within 18 to 24 months, these guys are debt-free. You too can be like this. Let me tell you some more stats because these get really interesting. On average, people that make it through this course pay off one month's salary's worth of debt and save a half a month's salary into their bank account within the first 90 days. These are people that can't make their bills. Somehow in 90 days, everything can change. People that get onto a proper budget, we recommend every dollar, they say in their first month, they find an extra 7% in their budget just because they know where every brand is going. You want a seven percent raise this year not many people are getting that yeah i can organize for you give me a take a piece of paper and a pen and you're welcome my point is there's good news friends could you imagine what you could do if you had no payments if you were investing for retirement saving money for university for your kids and had a paid off house could you imagine that like we talk about you know going to heaven one day that would be pretty close for normal people imagine how generous you could be and that's the goal of all of this that we are source for others uh, i have told you about this but remember they did a 10,000 if you haven't been around they did a more than 10,000 Uh, American millionaire study, the largest study of Americans ever done, uh, of millionaires, not Americans, the largest study of millionaires ever done, and they found that top three uh, professions, that's the word I'm looking for, thank you, the top three professions, one of those, for millionaires, one of those is teacher. Teacher, not rock star, teacher. They found out that 97 percent of them didn't inherit their millions, and they found out that 62 percent, two-thirds of them, earned less than 100,000 a year, and yet they have a net worth of more than a million. Now I don't know where you're at. I'm one of those that haven't inherited my millions. <laughs> I'm clearly not a rock star. I'm hoping the teacher thing will help. My point is, normal people like you and me, average people, so-called, who put some stuff into place, can actually see this can be done. So hopefully, with a little bit of courage, we can now look at what the Bible says. So my second point today is, what does the Bible say about our money? Well, I want to share with you three principles, then we'll look at what the Bible says. Three biblical principles around money. Number one, is the law of fir- the, uh, the principle of heart. Number two is the principle of first. And number three is the principle of sowing and reaping. These are biblical principles, and even the unbelievers know that these work. Yes? Amazing how many books you can see by non-Christians that put these kinds of principles down. I run through, you know, you get all these seven keys to this and 14 power laws for that and seven principles to become this. Remember those? You look, even the unbelievers will have very similar things to say uh, as these because they're from the Bible. So when it comes to our money, the way we approach, the way we serve God, including our money, first of all, we have to look at the principle of heart. The very most simplest way I can say this is, do you know that God wants to be first in our lives? You guys are all looking at me scared. We've taken, did we take up the offering? Okay, so you're okay. Relax. We are under his offering to take it again. We won't. Okay, I, I, I'm not setting you up. This is not trick questions this morning. Okay, God wants to be first in our lives. You may have heard these scriptures before, but Matthew 6, verse 24 tells us that no one can serve two masters. It's amazing. We talk about money, we talk about hearts. Same thing. You know how many people give up on people rather for money. It's amazing. You marry a girl, you love. They say 73% of marriage problems are money problems. Yeah? It's amazing how the love of our life gets replaced with money issues, whether they're good or bad issues. So my point is, it's that powerful. Not only can it replace the, take the place or, or influence the place of a loved one, can take the place of God. God says, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted one and, to one and despise the other. You see this language. We're talking about money, but we're actually talking about emotions. The point is that God wants to be first, the principle of first. Not only that, but you can look through the scriptures. The, the, you'll have these notes in the life group. You can in life groups this week. Uh, except that there's uh, there's a grace united this week. Yes, you can go through them next week. So you'll have transit life group this week. Bible speaks of our, God wants to be first in our hearts. Secondly, the principle of first principle of first is that God wants to be first in our lives. He wants our hearts. He doesn't just want our hands. He doesn't want our stuff. He wants our hearts, principle of hearts. Secondly, principle of first. He, just, he doesn't want to be second to anything. Moms and dads cannot help us. Children are a gift from the Lord, right? The Bible tells me that. Sometimes we think we did it. <laughs> so thank you for the, for the kids, Lord. But we put the kids above the Lord can put many things above the Lord, the Lord wants to be first. First fruits, according to the scriptures must be offered, and the tithe must be first. You can take You can look through all of the scriptures that we ha- that the scripture talks about over and over again. The first spring of the first offspring of every womb must be it uh, belongs to me, God says. Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil of the house of the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits. There's a reason why that word first is there every time. Tithe must be first. God wants to be first. He doesn't want to be second in our lives. The third principle is the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Now, I'm not a farmer, but they tell me if I put mealy seeds in the ground, I'm going to reap mealy. Sarah, am I right? Sarah is a farmer's daughter. Just making sure that I've got it right because, I mean, preachers don't have to be too clever about mealies. What you put in, what you give out. You sow faithfulness, you reap faithfulness. You sow pumpkins, you reap pumpkins. It's amazing. It's amazing. You sow hard work, you reap in return. Correct. You sow honor to your boss, (laughs) you think everyone's forgotten you at work? You think everyone overlooks you? Maybe you're sowing the wrong thing. You, throw grumpy, you sow grumpy seeds, you see, and you get those. Sow grumpy seeds, what are you going to reap? You sow honor, you sow friend, friendship, you sow faithfulness, you sow love to your enemies, what do you think you get? Whatever we sow, we reap. Biblical principle. The Bible says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. Isn't this powerful? A man reaps what he sows. 2 Corinthians tells us, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. That's just maths. It's just maths. So if I put one seed in the ground, I'll get a few back. If I put ten seeds in the ground, it's just maths. You don't even have to pray to know that that works. You with me? It's amazing how many of us forget these things work. Verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, now to he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater or bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest of righteousness. How would you like more seed? I would. Spring millet, on one of my favorite seeds. Popcorn seeds. Put them in the micro, they turn into something really cool, right? I would love more seeds. I would love more righteousness. Seemingly these are all wrapped up into one. But what you may I want to point out to you, it says to he, God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for the eater. It seems to me that in our resources, some of it is for eating, some of it is for sowing. Did you notice that? If you have money in your wallet, very few of us carry cash these days, right? If you have if you have your wallet in your pocket, I'm not asking for your money. I'm saying every time we open our wallet, every time we take a card out of our wherever you carry it, every time you take your phone ready to tap, you need to think through the money represented in that vehicle is not only for spending. It's for sowing and it's for eating. Some of it I consume. Not all of it. Some of it needs to be sowed so that I can reap a harvest. Make sense? So three... Principles. Principle of heart. God, my heart, not my money. Two, principle of first. Three, principle of sowing and reaping. So what does the Bible say about handling our money? Well, the Bible speaks about five different areas that we can uh, deal with our money. The first is the tithe. The Afrikaners got it right. They call it literally the tenth. And a tithe is exactly 10%. Tithes are for people. And for protection, ideally speaking, we should be using the tithes to resource ministry, to be able to afford to pay uh, church staff, ministry staff, and to support ministry. But there's also a protection component that the Bible tells us. When we're faithful to the Lord, He protects what we sow. It's a beautiful thing. Remember that we don't give our tithes to God. we simply return them to Him because He says the tithe is mine. When you look at 100%... When you get your paycheck, can I just help us? Isn't it such a disappointment? When you get your paycheck, you know what they promised to pay you when you got the job? And then when your paycheck comes, have you noticed a difference? It's called tax and deductions. Yeah? I was watching a YouTube video in America the other day where they showed people opening their first paycheck. And they're all excited because they knew what they were expecting. You're going to get X number. And then they open it and it's the net, not the gross. You see their faces drop when they realize how much goes to other places, right? Yeah. Tithe is first. It belongs to the Lord. Now, some people say to me, ah, Craig, tithing is, is legalistic. I don't believe in tithing. Well, I do. I'm just saying that. And I think there's biblical basis for it. But let me just help us. God institutes tithing in the Bible before he instituted the law. So you can't say that tithing is part of the law. Yeah? Not only that, but you might disagree. You might say, oh, Craig, 10% is so legalistic. That's fine. But if you look in the Bible, you will agree with me, I'm sure, that every time the Bible speaks about money and giving, it has to be regular, it has to be proportional. Remember the, 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 the widow gave her two little coins. Jesus said, wow, that's, that's disproportional because the rich guys were giving lots of money, but it was less than the ratio of what she was giving. Huh? Regular, proportional, sacrificial. God isn't interested in just our leftovers. It's like, oh God, I got this leftover, here you go. No, he wants our heart. Yeah, has to be sacrificial, has to be voluntary. God loves a cheerful giver, the Bible says. So if you're wrestling with, oh, how about this much or that much, that's fine. But just consider, every time the Bible speaks about money, it's regular. People say, oh, I don't, uh, money is is legalistic. Well, you know, so is breakfast. Imagine if you ate meals just like once in a while when you felt like it. No, we're quite regular with our eating. It keeps our body healthy. (laughs) Exactly, brushing our teeth. All right, so number one is tithes, 10% of everything we have, to the storehouse, the place where we get fed. You don't eat at Wimpy and pay at McDonald's. Actually, you shouldn't eat at Wimpy. We had uh, one of our heroes of the faith. If you, if you own a Wimpy here this morning, forgive me. A guy came from America to see us, and he was like, Oh, great, can, I, can we meet you at Wimpy? We're like, Eeyore, I don't know if the relationship is that strong. <laughs> you don't eat at Wimpy and pay at KFC, Right? Number two is offerings. Offerings is a free will thing. It's our response over and above to the Lord. It's part of our worship. We say, hey, Lord, you've given me so much, I'm returning to you. It can be in many ways. Uh, Offerings are for projects and for practical things. That's why when we talk about the building fund, we try to do that out of building offerings rather than taking what should be spent on ministry. It's over and above the tithe, free will offering to God Number three is alms. That's provision for the poor. As Grace Cove, we have a testimony of of having alms money so that we can sow and help the poor among us. The fourth way is apostolic giving. Apostolic is simply for the preparation of the harvest where you and I and us together are able to sow finances into reaching those that don't yet know the Lord. Colette and I go to support a church in the next two weeks. That's part of our apostolic giving. Yeah, Can I just say that spreading the gospel will take money? We think it takes prayers; It does, but it also takes money. That's why the Bible speaks of an apostolic offering. It says in, in, in the book of Acts where some people sold the property, some people took what they had, and they brought it and they laid it at the apostles' feet so that the gospel could go out. I've been over the last while studying um, uh, unreached people groups and and how many people that love Jesus live in different parts of the world. My goodness, the numbers are going up. It's exciting, but we've got a lot to do, right? And it's going to take money. It's going to take money. We know of a couple who are living in um, Vortex Friends, John and Saula in past Turkey, keep going. Not Uzbekistan, not as far as that, but right out there. This is just a couple. They've gone and they've found themselves a home in a village. They, they don't have a church. There's no other Christians in the town. In fact, it's a Muslim town. They're getting persecuted because they're Christians. Somehow they're trying to feed their kids and, and teach them school and, and do all of that. It's going to take money. There's no one there that they can rely on. It's going to take money. If you want to, uh, we've spoken about the church in Paris, millions of euros to find a building where they need to be, right? I spoke to another friend of mine in the south of France, Lance and Tanya de Reich, Liberté Eglise. We prayed for them. He said to me, Craig, the, 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 the hotel venue where we're meeting, the function room is, is too small. We, we're overflowing. He says, but if we want to stay in the middle of town, not move out into the suburbs, there's only four Buildings bigger, four venues bigger than us, b- bigger than this in the whole town. He says, Two are unsuitable, the other two are ten times the current um, rent that we're paying. Ten times. You think if we wanted to reach more people, I'm just telling you, it's going to take more money. And I'm not asking for a private jet. I know I'm standing on toes. Because the moment we talk about, man, we need money to do stuff, then in our minds we jump to some of the negative excesses. And we say, oh, because of that. No, no, no. All I'm asking us to, with, don't lose your head. Let's, with a bit of soberness, respond to the Lord. Make sense? Yeah? There are so many places in the world where maybe one in a million are believers. There's so many places still to this day that don't even have the Bible in their own language. Friends, that's why we believe in giving apostolically. And then the fifth one is just a generous lifestyle. When we are generous... God is generous to us. You with me? I'm going to take the last few minutes that I have is now to, find, to to wrap up with some practicals. So here's what we've tried to do. We've tried to one inspire you over these three weeks with the faithfulness of God. We've tried to point you toward, towards what the scriptures say, and then we've tried to give you some practical handles, how tos, and testimonies on how we get this right. Because sometimes we we can preach the gospel and say, oh, you know, you better give to the Lord. Everyone, we're taking up the offering. Come on, do your duty. And we put pressure on people to give money to God when they're in such a fix. Yeah? Remember, we began this series saying, if you pay taxes, if you get a car loan and a house loan, that can take you up to 75% of your income. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah? Remember, we said this is tough. So we're trying to give you help so that with freedom, you can respond to the Lord as he says. You understand where we're going? Great. So we'll finish with this. Seven baby steps to financial peace. I've said that it's possible. And uh, you may be convinced. You may be challenged. You might be be saying, Craig, I want to try a different way than I've gone for so many years, but I don't have the money. I don't know how to do this. Well, Good news. I've got some practical ways to tell you how to do this. As you said, so many other people in the world have started like this. The first is you need to get on a written budget. You need to write it down. Now, I love it. I love it. (laughs) I think Matthew is way more... Is it right if I talk like this? I think Matthew is way more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than most of us are. If I peep around during worship, and I see that he's enjoying it, then I know we're on the right track. If I'm leading a meeting and he's got his hands in the air, I'm like, you guys, he's got it. We must find it. Yeah? Telling you. If I'm preaching and he's enjoying it, whether uh, whether he's figuring out everything or not, I know that the Holy Spirit is a good representation. I'm very comfortable. I, I feel very encouraged when I watch this young man. Get on a written budget. Sometimes you've just got to face the truth and write it down. You with me? We get on a written budget. gives us a clear picture of where we actually are. How do we do that? I'm hoping you get lots of how-tos this morning. Have already. Well, how do we get on a budget and start saving our money? Well, you simple. You spend less than you earn. Isn't that great? It's so clever, right? Right? Black Friday alert. Spend less than you earn. (laughs) all right baby step one baby step one is we save ten thousand rand as quick as we can for your starter emergency fund now you may be comfortable with your money you may say this for you might be easy and god bless you great it's not a it's not a competition who's got more yeah they tell me no matter how much you got we're all going to die one day and we're all going to leave it behind right so it's not a competition okay it's not a competition All I know is that God's got a solution for all of us. And so you save 10,000 rand as your starter emergency fund. How do we do that? Again, you got it? Let less out than what comes in. Okay. Now you might say, Craig, I've never seen 10 grand in one place at one time in my whole life. I don't even earn 10 grand maybe. It's so beautiful to me. I I don't know. uh, And as elders, we don't know who puts what money into the church unless you tell us. Okay, And you don't have to. We don't ask you to tell us. In fact, sometimes it's easier for me not to know. In fact, most of the time. But you know what a blessing it is? Every now and then I see 90 Rand reference tithe on the bank balance. Isn't that beautiful? I tell you, it thrills me almost more than the bigger numbers. Yeah? Because I know someone (laughs) probably is earning 900 Rand, and they've been faithful with their 90 we try to get to ten grand as quick as you can. That might mean you have to take an extra job, it might mean you it might mean you have to be radical. It might mean you sell your TV. <laughs> it might mean you but you want to get there because if you don't have this buffer, the moment something goes wrong, you heard Kathy's story with two tires on her friend's car. The moment something goes wrong, if you don't have some buffer, you go get back into debt, you get back into trouble. Many of you in this room have been this route, and you say, Craig, you're 100% right. We've seen it. You do this as quick as you can because we can sprint for a short time. You want to try as hard as you can do. So then you go to step two. Try and do this in less than 90 days. Less than 90 days. might be quite radical. You might have to sell your couch. (laughs) Might mean you've got to start driving Uber at night between 10 and 2. The uh, Tehran's testimony. They were, tra- they were getting their, their 10 grand emergency starter fund. They switched to Coffee. You know how bad that is. Maybe you switch off Netflix. Ditch DSTV. <laughs> Maybe you count the number of trips you do in your car. Whatever it is, 90 days, try and sprint. Number two, baby step two. You, you, you know why they call baby steps? Because how does a baby learn to walk? Baby steps. You crawl before you run, right? <laughs> Secondly, you pay off all your debt. Isn't this good news? Pay off all your debt, except for your house if you have a bond. You use the debt snowball. What is the debt snowball? You list all your debts, smallest to largest, and you start chipping away. How do, you get, how do you pay off all your debts? Short-term sacrifice will get you to peace. Not to riches, to peace, because you can't buy peace. Yeah? Let me show you this next chart. This is how you do your baby, uh, your, your debts noble. You notice on the left, on the top, you'll see we've got uh, your debts listed, 10, 20, 30, 40. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't that be cool if that was our debts? 10 rand, 20 rand, 30 rand. That would be really cool, right? You pay the minimum payments if you're having payments. You shouldn't have payments. We want to get you out of payments. But if you do, we start where we are and we move towards where we want to be. You pay all your minimums and then you dig in the couch. You look in every jacket in your cupboard you find a little bit of extra money. You change from white bread to brown bread and you take that money and you put that little bit extra onto the payments that you're making on your smallest debt. All of a sudden, your five goes to 15 if you get an extra 10. You you understand the math? All right? You know how much quicker you'll pay that off. It might take you a while. When debt one is paid off, you take your original minimum on debt one, the little extra you found under the couch, you put those two onto debt two. You'll see debt two goes faster. When debt two is finished, this might take you a longer while, but good news is coming. When you get to debt three, the number might be bigger, but you've got your minimums for debt one and two. You've got the extra in the couch. You can put all of that together. Debt three goes a lot quicker. Debt four, and there's a snowball effect that grows and gains, and you will be free. Isn't that cool? Baby step three. To save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. Now, I know you might be thinking, Craig, I couldn't get my head around the 10 grand or even paying over my debts. Now you want three months? Everyone in the world, Christian, unchristian, any financial advisor will tell you. Retrenchment is a thing. People lose their jobs. COVID happens. If you don't have three months, especially in South Africa, you're in trouble. And so this isn't your income. This is if I lost my income, what would I need to get through the month? So it probably will be somewhere around 40 to 60% of what your income is. Because if you think you're not earning income, you're not paying tax for starters. Make sense? Then you decide, am I in a stable job? Do my, are we at two household income? And if the more stable, the closer to three. The less stable, the closer to six. If anything goes wrong, as so many of you guys, numbers of you guys have said, Craig, we were there on baby step three, then this thing happened. But man, at least I had emergency fund. Then you use your emergency fund, you start filling it up again. Yep, Collette and I were talking this week. <laughs> I said, that's emergency. That's what an emergency fund is for, right? It's not for Black Friday. It's not an emergency. You know it's coming next year again. It's not an emergency. Number four. Step four, five, and six go together at the same time. One, two, and three, one after the next. Four, five, and six go together at the same time. Baby step four is investing 15% of our income towards retirement. You might say, Craig, that's not enough. Well, maybe not. But if you do those 50% now, at the end, you can come back and you can actually invest as much as you want. It's so cool. So baby step four, invest for retirement. Baby step five, you start to save for your children's University. Can I just quickly say a couple of things about university? Because there's still at least one toe in this room that hasn't been stood on. Everyone wants to go to... Stellies. Everyone wants to go to Stellies. You're welcome to go to Stellies if you can afford it. Our family can't. We've just made some choices. Because I guarantee the, 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 the degree from one university... Same as a degree from another university. You know, it might not be by the sea. You know, in South Africa, the range of universities, from cheapest to most expensive for the same degree, is probably one and a half times or more. Yeah? You can start at Tux for around 40-something, maybe 50. You can start at some of the private... Start, same degree. Start at some of the private uh, universities for 110. Start. Now, you can spend it if you've got it per year without accommodation, without transport, without Wi-Fi and cell phone. I'm not telling you to be poor. I'm not telling you to be miserly. I'm just saying let's only spend what we've got, right? So make some good choices. When we invest for our children's university, I hope, like, man, I hope you're not hating me. Say, Craig, quick, we must read a scripture because this is church. I'm just trying to save your lives. I'm trying to help you honor God and be generous like he wants us to be. I'm trying to help us to be free to serve the Lord. Isn't that cool? You're welcome. (laughs) Be wise in what degree you choose. Yes, precious needs to find themselves. And yes, precious needs to do what their passion is. But it would be nice if they can actually feed their family doing that passion. Sometimes we spend disproportionate amounts of money on getting the degree than the salary you hope to earn with that degree. Just be clever. Figure it out. Don't take seven years to get a BA and then go into retail. It's code for being a salesman. You understand? Especially not if you're paying it off over 20 or 30 years. Number five, number six, is to pay your house off early. Pay your house off early. <laughs> you see? They did the study of the millionaires. The majority of them paid their houses off in 11 years. The average bond in America is 30 years. They're trying that in South Africa. The average millionaire paid their house off in 11 years. Let me show you a quick table. Thanks, Kaylee. The average house bond in, America, in South Africa is a million rand. I don't know what you spent on your house. If you own a house, just do the math. If it's two million, double it. If it's half, halve it. Makes sense, right? <laughs> Back in the day, if we're talking at 8.25% a year ago, million rands bond over 20 years is going to cost you 2.1 million. Do you realize you give the bank 1.1 million rand for buying a house of a million? You give the bank more than you give yourself. You realize that you could have two houses if you could pay cash. If you take a bond over 20 years it's going to take you it's going to cost you 1.1 million rand for every house you buy you buy the bank one. If you were to add 10% to your monthly bond you would save yourself 5 years. You'd pay it off in 15 years. You would save yourself 236 1,000 rands interest. If you added if you uh, added 40%, you might be saying, Craig, you, you're talking crazy now. You just calm down. But if you added 40% to your monthly payment, you would pay the house off in 10 years, and you'd save over half a million rand. Imagine if I could give you half a million rand now. You'd take it quick. Well, I can give you a way to get it. If you paid, this is really crazy. If you paid extra 70% on your installment, it would take you seven years. Do you realize if you did this, (laughs) you could probably get two houses for the price of one? Okay? Now you're saying, Craig, this is just ludicrous. This is impossible. You heard Wes. He said they got this little 2.3 kg baby and they had to get a bigger car because, like, you have, like, how can you squeeze a 2.3 kg baby into a small car? If you bought half the house, you could pay it off twice as fast. People used to say to Dudley Daniel, oh, Dudley, how do we pay our house off? He just says, well, what house and what suburb? I'm not saying it's what you should do. I'm saying it's possible. Let's finish. Baby step seven, you now have no payments. (laughs) You're investing. You have money for your kids' schooling. You don't have a bond, you know what you can do. You can, invest, you can invest, you can build wealth, and you can give. When the Lord touches your heart, you can do whatever you want. How cool is that? My question to us this morning, would you like to have peace? Not would you like to be rich, would you like to have peace? The Bible says that end of time people will be shouting peace peace but there will be no peace he's the prince of peace he can teach us how to live lives that carry peace that when we put our heads on the pillow we can sleep when there's an emergency it's okay we worry about the problem not about the cost many people tell tell church leaders i can't afford to put god first craig i want to but i can't I know I should be generous, not stress about money. I should tithe. I should honor God with my money, but I can't even afford to have a budget. Well, my goodness, you can't afford not to. Sometimes we just have have to admit that the place where we are now is because of the decisions we've made, not the economy, not my job, not my neighbor who earns more and gets a better luck than me. Sometimes, friends, we've just got to own our lot in life. I know that guy at school that wasn't as clever as you and wasn't as diligent as you now earns more money than you. So what? Him being poorer doesn't help me, right? Sometimes you just got to own. I did the. I've told you, twenty-four years, we tried our best. We honored God. We tired. We had budgets. It didn't get us as far as what we've done in the last four. Sometimes you just got to own our decisions, present them to the Lord, and let Him help us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person here, guys that will listen on on YouTube. I pray, Father, for peace. I pray for godliness in our homes. I pray, Jesus, for those of us that have not been able to sleep because of these reasons. I pray that you would help us. I do pray for provision, Lord, out of your grace and mercy. But I also pray, Lord, that you'd give us the courage to take your principles, put them into place, that we could be, have peace and we could be generous. Father, many of us in this place will be the answer for people around us. And I ask Jesus that we could represent you well in Jesus' name. Father, for those that are struggling, they, they've got so many noises in their ears, they can't even hear me talk about money. I pray, Jesus, that you would show them a way out. For those of us that are needing jobs and work and clients, those of us that are worried about health and other things, we thank you that we reminded ourselves this morning that you're a faithful, good God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Some tea and coffee and a rusk outside. Have a great Sunday.